0: Rise. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs, and this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 92, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How are you doing, Ian? I'm doing well, Brennan. How are you? I am good. I am looking forward to another slate of fantastic listener stories with uh, lots of scary stuff coming out of closets, which is not a metaphor. It's just a statement of fact. (laughs) That's funny. I'm looking forward to that. But before we get there, though, we we actually have a, a pretty big announcement. We do. We do. We do. What? I'm moving into your house. What? Yeah.
1: <laughs> no. Nick, no. kick me out. No. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hope your big announcement is you're dying rather than that
0: happening. <laughs> all right, Well, all right. <laughs> just for that, I'm going to steal all your newly laid eggs. <laughs> we have always said on this show that we will never be a, a weekly show. Right. And that's because you know, it, it just takes a lot of work to put the show together. Yeah. And I think it would get tiresome. Week yes. to week to week, yes. the same format over and over and
1: over. For, for our listeners as well as for
0: us. Oh, exactly. No, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I'm easily bored. You're easily bored. Absolutely. This is how these things work. But what we noticed is that on the last couple of shows, we've started doing this new mail segment where we, we actually respond to email mm-hmm. again, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we love doing it. It's kind of a fun change to the, the, the makeup of the show. Yeah. But it was really bloating out the runtime of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, our last couple shows ran, I think, an hour twenty five. There's an hour thirty five, and I yeah. really would love the show to come in around an hour, hour yeah. to an hour and ten minutes. I think is perfect for for a podcast. Yeah, and so we were kind of stuck. We thought, well, what what do we do with this? And then we hit on the idea of taking that email part out of the back of the show and putting it into a mini episode that drops on the Tuesdays between the big episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess technically that makes us a weekly show
1: (laughs) it's just not going to be as plump as the other shows
0: (laughs) i i prefer rubenesque there you go (laughs) i bet you do yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) what can i say (laughs) but yeah so it's going to be a shorter show it's going to be it's going to be a mini show uh the details you're going to have to wait till the actual actually comes out to uh to hear it but uh yeah it's going to be about 30 minutes long it will also run every two weeks, but it'll Mm -hmm. be off weeks with our show. So week one, like this week will be the main show. And then next week will be mini show. Yeah. And then main show, then mini show. And it's just a a way for us to keep in touch with our our listeners, to answer your email in a way that allows us to connect and and to cover more stuff without making the show incredibly long. Because again, I, I feel like looking at a 90 minute podcast, unless you're Talking about Dan Carlin's hardcore history, you're kind of thinking, Jesus, this thing. Yeah, and it's a little too much for everyone yeah. involved. <laughs> that's it. That's <laughs> it. Uh, you know, I, I had a few people get in touch at different points and say, "Well, I listened to the first half of the show, and I'm going to get back to the second half." And I think, yeah, right. that's that's a problem. You know, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. So, starting a week today, starting uh, next Tuesday, and, and every other Tuesday from here on out, God willing, you are going to hear the Ghost Story Guys mini show, and we will be taking your questions, answering your email, and we'll have a couple of the little things in there too. Mm -hmm. And in order to hear those, you'll have to listen to the mini show. Uh, apart from that, uh, I filled the beans a little bit earlier, but uh, you you have chickens laying now.
1: I do. We got them in April. If you've been listening to Chicken Talk or any other ridiculous updates, um, yeah, I, uh, I came home from a trip, and I checked on the chickens, but it was nighttime, so their coop was all closed up, and I just wanted to make sure there was water and food, and then... Tonight, Jay went out to give them some scraps from dinner and said, um, I think the coop is full of eggs. And um, sure enough, they literally have filled the coop with eggs. There were about 16, 17 eggs out there. So that's amazing. Um, It is amazing. And because they're Easter eggers, they're all kind of green and blue in color, the shells
0: yeah it took me a little while to get used to that in the picture you sent i I
1: know i know and i it's my first time seeing them come out of my hands so that was a bit weird so they're quite small right now they're rather diminutive eggs but they will uh size is not important even yeah lucky for you um they, (laughs) they will um they will get to be
0: where they're supposed to be in a few months exciting well i cannot wait to steal some eggs and make myself a nice Omelette that doesn't have cheese in it because God is cruel. There you go. <laughs> uh, in news at my end, there's two things. Uh, one, by the time this is released, my interview with Finances, the other F word, will be out. And uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. It'll be on our website at ghoststoryguys.com. Woo-hoo. And yeah, it was. Just, I had a ton of fun talking to Mel and the crew there about uh, about the business of podcasting. Yeah. And uh, music as well, which are two things I love talking about and don't get an opportunity to talk about very much. That's awesome. And the other thing is, it kind of came as a surprise to me too, because I on the show have talked repeatedly about my book, A Strange Little Place, available (laughs) everywhere, (laughs) fine books are
1: sold.
0: (sighs) Deep sigh. Deep sigh. Remember what the doctor said, breathe through it. Breathe through it. Breathe through through it. it. Kill him in your mind. Uh, but yeah, and I keep talking about how the book is, you know, going out of print soon, so you better snap it up. Right. Well, I was signing a book recently that someone bought through our Big Cartel store, and I just happened to look on the copyright page, and it was copyright first edition, third printing, 2020. Nice. Yeah, it's in its third printing, so it's actually not in danger of going out of print as I had assumed based on the dire revenue statements they were sending me.
1: <laughs> and have you ever gotten a number from them? Like, hey, you sold this many books
0: or no? Oh, every revenue statement has it all laid out. Okay. Either way, I thought the book was out of print. It's not. So right. happy day, I guess. <laughs> One more thing before we get to the stories. Yeah. We have a musical guest on this episode. Okay. A listener, Michael Labella. He sent us a song called Carl Jung. And the song is inspired by his experience with sleep paralysis. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, we won't mention that here, but we will at some point share his experience with sleep paralysis because it's actually very different. Really? From any other, yeah. Very different from any Ooh. other uh, sleep paralysis episode I've experienced or pardon me that I've read about. That's cool. Yeah. So again, you can look for him, Michael Labella, everywhere you stream your music. And we'll also have links in the show notes as well. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, The Shapes in the Closet. Welcome back. As we said before the break on this episode, we're going to be telling another fantastic slate of listener stories, including a couple that have some, uh, some terrifying action happening in the closet.
1: <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> I, should, I should have just left a pause there knowing that was coming. <laughs> uh, but before we do, we just thought we'd quickly touch on something we spoke about on a past episode, and that is the Randonautica app. Mm-hmm. The bodies, are, uh, apparent, I thought it was a body, but apparently it's multiple bodies were found. Yeah, Uh, two
1: people, yeah.
0: Yeah, down in Seattle there. And it's really uh, horrific stuff. And and we don't usually do true crime on here, but because there's this intersection with with weird spooky stuff, we're just going to mention it briefly. But I mentioned several episodes ago that I had been referred to this Randonautica app by Rachel. Right. And so I was doing these walks where they kind of randomly generate a point based on allegedly your intention. It claims to use like like quantum entropy or something. I don't know. Sure. To provide a random point on a map, and the idea is it breaks you out of your routines. So it just sends you to a place on the map where you would ordinarily never go, right? Or 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 or, un, or maybe are unlikely to go, or it forces you to take a route that you would not ordinarily take, right? And and I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, I found some new cut throughs that I'm still using. But when the app started getting more press, it got harder to use. Oh, interesting, because it was getting too busy. Yeah, it was. It was just becoming overloaded. And so I I stopped for a while, but then Sarah, who works with us here on the show, she found this TikTok. (laughs) It was a TikTok video. These kids were playing with this app and they'd gone down to the beach and found at the point that was generated a suitcase. Oh, wow. Inside inside that suitcase was a body. That was as much as we knew about it. We talked about it a little bit on this show, a little bit on the live show. And I know Kev talked about it on, we need to talk about ghosts. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, and I, that was all I'd heard about it. And then Sarah sent us a link today, I believe it was that explained the situation a little bit. And it was basically a landlord killed and dismembered to his two tenants. Uh, their victims were Jessica Lewis and Austin Wenner.
1: Wow. That's really
0: sad. It's just fucking horrifying as if there's not enough to worry about right now in the world. Yeah. Your landlord doing that to you or anyone doing that. DJs. Yeah, really yeah, murdering yeah. you in general is frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, Not a fan, <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, just, just a quick update on that because it, it's the app is such a fascinating thing. And, and I mean, I've, this is not the first time I've heard about something disturbing being found at, at one of the sites. Like this is the only one time I've heard of body, but definitely people have found things which are unusual. Interesting. And it, it kind of reminds me years ago when I was down in the desert, back in like 10 years ago. Right. Uh, Nick and I and some friends took this road trip and we ended up down uh, just south of Monument Valley in I think Utah is where Monument Valley is. Okay. But there was a car parked in this, I think it's like an arroyo. And it was just this car parked there and there was no one in it and the trunk was slightly ajar and there was no one around for miles.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I thought, I am not going anywhere near that car.
1: (laughs) I think you're probably correct.
0: Yeah. And I realize now, knowing what I know about my being drawn towards things, I was really interested in the car. So presumably something was very wrong. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. And, uh, but I just, I I can't help but think now that that car would turn up on someone's, you know, like Randonautica list. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it will have, you know, someone will say mystery and then they go to murder car. And you know, there's, I, who, who knows nothing good is in the trunk. Nothing good is in the trunk of a car that is left in the middle of a desert. Let's put it that
1: way. Nope. Nope. Never has been. Never will be.
0: All right. So enough of that on with the stories.
1: Our first story comes from Caroline. I've just listened to your recent episode 81 and would like to say that I have had a similar experience as your listener, Mandy, regarding living with another family. I've written into you before and explained that my house is old, but has a very warm, friendly feel. When we first moved in, there was always, I can only explain it to be background noise. It almost felt like you were disturbing someone if you left the TV or radio on. The very best example of what I mean is this. I was sat in the lounge reading and concentrating on something when I started to get frustrated at the constant muffled voices and distant sounds of what I thought was the radio playing in the kitchen. Cross with myself for leaving it on, I marched into the other room only to see that the radio was in fact off. On. on this realization, the background noise stopped too. I was left a bit bewildered. On another hope, which I hope you don't mind reading, I wanted to share another story that happened at a previous home. My family lived in a big old Victorian vicarage with full servants' quarters and a bell to ring in the garden. It's going to be haunted, I'd just offer you my professional okay. opinion there anyway, I used to have a visitor at night. There was no great sensation of a presence. It would just arrive and lie down next to me in bed. When I say it out loud, it sounds creepy as hell, but it really wasn't, as there was no sense of dread or malice, and it never interacted with me. In fact, if anything, it felt comforting. Except one night, I was just lying down, ready to drift off, when I felt a breeze across my cheek. Oh, I must have left my window ajar, I thought. The breeze became a little more direct, and started to blow very gently in a circular motion around my cheek. I turn and look out my window, and it's shut. Weird, but okay. The breeze carries on blowing in a circular motion, getting stronger. Oh god, it feels like someone's up close and blowing on my face. With that very thought just hitting me, it blew really hard right into my ear. And my reaction? Get off, you bugger! Whilst rubbing my ear and chuckling. What did you do that for? Bugger off and let me sleep. It still carried on sleeping with me, but it never played up again. I actually miss my old sleeping buddy.
0: So, thank you for sharing that, Carolyn. And, and I believe this was the email where you wrote back to her and you, you had a suggestion that I nearly died when I read. <laughs> Tell tell the tell the good people what you said. I, so. I don't remember.
1: I never remember anything. You know that. What did I say?
0: You suggested to her that the ghost was trying to get laid. Well, it probably was. <laughs> okay. Well,
1: no I, I have there, a I friend who. Well, I have a friend who was filling me in on her, her friend who had a phantom ghost lover for seven years, and she said it was the best sex she ever had. And so my friend, who had been sort of semi harassed by something at night, was now like well hello <laughs> but <laughs> oh, no. it didn't come back it wouldn't come back so she missed out on that she was quite disappointed
0: uh, yeah i guess i would be disappointed too if i i, I suggested I, she might want to get back on tinder i'm yeah. thinking a yeah. little more well is it i was gonna say is it more reliable than ghost i don't know uh, probably not yeah based on what I heard actually be, a lot more work no doubt yeah and yeah. a lot sadder based on whatever the straight <laughs> the straight dating scene i think so <laughs> Part of the bed thing, not not that part of it, but part of the bed thing reminded me of a story that my mother told me. Uh, and let's be clear, it's, it's again, not the part of it you described, but <laughs> I got I, that smile. I can feel it through the fucking microphone. <laughs> it makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, but when my mother lost her, her partner, my stepfather, uh, there were times where she would feel him, like his presence next to her in bed. Okay. But, like just almost like like holding her. Right. But what was interesting is that the longer this went on, obviously the further from the date of his death, the less him it felt like.
1: Mm. Interesting.
0: Yeah. And then after a while, it wasn't, it was completely not him. and, And I don't believe that came back. Hmm. Yeah. That's wild. It, yeah, it really is. Which reminds me too, um, I forgot to bring this up to you off, off, off air, so I'll just mention it now. Mm-hmm. But I was having a chat with her the other day and we were talking about this experience she had at the hospital. There's a certain place in the hospital where at a certain time of night, not every night, but you can hear a woman screaming. Okay. But it's Comforting. not- Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's not anyone in the hospital. Hmm. Because, you know, there's a finite number of patients- there's a finite number of staff, especially at this time of night. Right. And so if someone were screaming, it would be much more noticeable. Interesting. But sometimes downstairs that's on some nights and not just she has heard it. Uh, other people have heard it as well. You will hear a woman screaming and no one can figure out where it's coming from. Oh, Lordy. It's a strange little place. available <laughs> Where fine books are sold.
1: <laughs> wow. That's like two in less than 10 minutes. I can do that
0: sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Only alone. That counts. <laughs> this next story was actually posted as a comment on the YouTube version of one of our episodes. The comment is from someone going by the name Literary Artist. In 2003 to 2005, I used to go to the Exeter Job Corps Academy at Exeter, Rhode Island. It was recently opened at the time. I remember my first day. Our dorm was co-ed with males downstairs and women upstairs, and a few of the guys there told me they all woke up with bruises on their legs. Sure enough, the next morning, I too woke up with bruises all over my legs. It wasn't till, I want to say three weeks in, that we realized we had an abandoned asylum within five minutes' walk from us, the Lads' School. We didn't know it was there at first because a layer of trees hit it. So a group of us, maybe seven or so, went to check it out that evening at dark. This was in late autumn, and when we went in, it was obviously creepy. I don't really remember much of that night, but I don't remember anything big happening. At least not to us. Among the people who went to Ladd that night was my roommate's girlfriend. My roommate didn't come with us because he was sane, and after a half hour of us being gone, he and two other guys went out looking for his girlfriend. About halfway there, they saw, according to them, a floating man. They abandoned the mission and ran back to dorms, where we heard about it as soon as we got back. The following day, three of the people who went into Ladd's school woke up with three welts on their backs. I was not one of them. Fast forward a few weeks. That same roommate had become wing leader, which meant he had a two person room instead of a four person like the rest of us. One night after roll call, I asked him for a movie to borrow. He agreed, and I followed him to his room. We were alone. As he was searching through his DVDs, his bed facing the window, we both heard children giggling in the room. We froze. The next day, same time, I returned his movie and asked for another one. Again, we went into the room. We stood at the same spots. This time, I saw an apparition materialize in the window, and my heart started to pound. As I saw this getting clearer and clearer, I called out my friend's name, and he, without hesitation, pushed me on the bed, then ran out of the room leaving me for dead. In my terror, I kept looking at the window as I was getting up from the bed and what I saw was unbelievable. It was just another student who had escaped his room for a cigarette and was going to ask us if we wanted to smoke. I started dying of laughter and to this day have never let my friend forget that he left me to die. In the job corps, or at least in mine, after your 90-day probationary period, you could go home for a weekend if you chose to, but I never did. One weekend as I was sleeping, someone screamed in my ear to wake up. When I did I saw a black figure like a shadow standing at the foot of my bed before it jumped on me and I experienced what they call sleep paralysis. My voice immediately shut down. I tried screaming and nothing came out. My eyes started to flicker back, at least that's how it felt, and my body locked up. Slowly but surely I began to regain my strength and ability to move. I ran out of there and I couldn't sleep for like a week. I brought these stories up because I'm hearing this episode now and didn't realize how much other Job Corps have this in common. There has to be something to this. Maybe Job Corps likes to buy haunted property? Can you guys dedicate an entire episode or two about Job Corps? Unless you guys already have, which I will eventually hear. Thanks, guys. So big thanks to, uh, to literary artist on YouTube for that one. Mm-hmm. And do you remember the job? The, the I sp- do. It was actually one of our first episodes, I think. Like it was in early days, wasn't it? Yeah, it was year one. It was, um, uh, it was the, I think the first LA episode. Okay. Yeah. Because one of our listeners had gone to job Corps and had some experiences. Uh, and I think it was for her, it was a job core in downtown LA, but then we did some digging and we found that there was a lot of people who'd gone to job Corps and had weird shit happen. Oh yeah. Big time. Yeah. And and I guess uh, for for our listeners who aren't familiar with it, Job Corps, how would you describe it? Um, I don't really know. I mean, it was kind of a,
1: almost like a, I don't want to say a prison, but it's, it seems, it
0: seems to be quite restrictive. <laughs> almost like, like a military corps, but for yeah, yeah. Like job training.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think there's enough stories for a whole episode.
1: No, um, Unless dear listener. Suddenly, you know this generates them, but
0: <laughs> and absolutely, yeah. I mean, if you've been to, if you've been a, a resident uh, of or part of Job Corps and you have a story, ghoststoryguys.gmail.com at gmail is a way to get it to us. I, I got to say though, reading that story, how the guy just completely stiff armed our listener out of the way, yeah, to to get the hell out of the door. I just kind of imagine us in that situation uh-huh. trying to like scooby-doo over top of one another to mm-hmm. be the first one out the door oh 100 and I, and it's just the question now of who who would who would get there first which was which which of us would are um which is a greater coward i think i'm the bigger
1: coward you would probably stand there yelling at it and i <laughs> would Debate be me. I'd already, me in
0: the marketplace of ideas i'd already be gone like you would <laughs> turn
1: around and go ian what do you think we should do and you'd be completely alone just there's a puff of smoke. Yeah, I'm in the car. It started. I'm pulling out of the parking lot by the time you realize I'm gone. So, you know, there's that. Our next story comes from Jessica. When I was in community college, I worked at Schlotsky's, a fast food place. I also worked with my mom in our family business of being house painters. It's hard work. At the time of the story, it was summer and I was working six days a week and Sunday was full of church and volunteer work. The heavy load of work caught up to me. I came down with a 102 degree fever and a cold. My mom was busy and did not want to get sick before church camp that was coming up, so for a week I was on my own. My boyfriend at the time, now my husband, would sneak up to my room and make sure I had plenty of water and check on me. I don't remember this at all, though. All I remember is sleeping for literally 23 hours a day because I was that sick. After a week, I visited the urgent care to be sent home with no medicine and told to rest. Sometime the next week, I saw what I feel now was an angel, or my guardian angel. I remember waking up slightly, but it felt like I was right in the middle of being awake and asleep. I was in the space of my room, but the room that in real life is always cluttered was totally clean. This is how I knew I wasn't fully awake, besides the groggy feeling of being asleep. In front of my bed was a rocking chair and a beautiful old woman. She was a brunette with curly hair. I think she had been sewing or knitting. I didn't feel scared by her when normally I would be extremely frightened by a stranger in my room. She knew that I saw her and said, Don't worry, I've been watching you. You're going to be okay. At those words, I felt relieved and fell back into a deeper, more peaceful sleep. Sadly, this isn't an exciting story with a good ending. Even after seeing her, my cold didn't immediately get better. What did happen is later when my mom decided I'd been sick too long, so she called a higher-up at urgent care and said that they couldn't send me home without actually helping me. She then took me back. I was further tested and found to have developed pneumonia in one lung. This time I was given antibiotics, an inhaler, and I think steroids. After a few days, I finally got better and my mom didn't catch my cold and went to church camp as the counselor with no problems.
0: Of course. Thank you for the story, Jessica. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, I always thought Schlotzky's was a made up name. (laughs) I've heard it too. And I didn't really know what it was. I I first saw it in the film pain and game. One of the characters runs a Schlotsky's Deli, and I just assumed that was a made-up name, but I love <laughs> the fact that it exists. Oh, that's funny. The story, though, just really hammers home the fact that you have to give yourself rest days. Yeah, and take care of yourself. That shit will catch up with you so fast. We've got, prior to the pandemic at least, there was this notion that your worth was predicated on how much output you created. right. So, you know, if you work six days a week and then you do volunteer work, that means you're doing enough, you know? Right. Even then, though, it's probably not enough for some people. No, 100%. Uh, For some people, it's never going to be enough. But I remember the times I've been sickest um, are the times when I'm doing that, where I'm just pushing and pushing and pushing because, you know, I got to get something done. Again, my my self-worth is tied up with how much shit I can do. And there you end up on the couch for a week.
1: Yeah, exactly
0: interesting about the old lady though um a friend of mine has this thing where when they get sick which hasn't happened in a long time now but they see someone as well caring for them oh okay but it's a it's not anyone they know it's uh it's a young man of what appears to be the sort of south asian descent wearing mm-hmm. a checked a red and black checked sh- um almost like a flannel shirt interesting and, that's a very yeah. specific look Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they've described him uh, several times. This guy is there and he just seems to be kind of looking after her. Interesting, eh? Yeah, it really is. And it, it makes me wonder, you know, is there some kind of objective reality to this or is this just sort of a a randomly generated hallucination, you know?
1: That is really weird. And it's interesting. It's always the same looking person.
0: Yeah, that's it. It's, it's always the same. Yeah,
1: that is weird.
0: It reminds me, too, and I, I, again, I've probably talked about this on the show, but um, as you know, and I've talked about here quite a bit, I struggle with depression. right. And there have been times where I've gone through really, really black periods of depression. And I remember this is several years ago now, but I was going through one of these periods. and I had a dream where I I walked out the door of our bedroom, but instead of there being the bedroom there, it was this other completely other room where there was these folding tables with folding chairs. And I feel like there may have been paper on the walls, but there were these men almost, it almost looked like mission control. Mm -hmm. Right. And they were sitting at this table and they were trying to figure out how best to help me. Hmm. I remember talking to Nick about it the next morning. I told her that she got this really funny look. And when I asked what was wrong, she said, well, I know you've been struggling. And she said, I don't pray because neither of us are religious, but she said, I just put out there that you need help. And if someone can help you, that would be appreciated. Wow. She, yeah, I know, right? I don't even know what you would. How do you respond to that? <laughs> thanks. I, right? the thanks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although I do love that it takes an entire mission control worth of people to fix my fucked up brain. <laughs> I don't think even that would do it. No, no, I'm, I'm here, aren't I? So, yeah. Obviously, it did not work. Our next story comes from Sharn. And I, I, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. I, I looked it up beforehand, but there's a chance I got it wrong. So. I hope I nailed it. Firstly, I love the show, and really love the intro. There's just something about that baseline. I agree. I work in a lab and do a lot of nights, so this podcast is the ideal company on those long nights. Kind of. Here's my story. I've had a few experiences in my life, however none were as compelling as this one. Firstly, because there were two of us experiencing the same thing, and secondly, it took place in broad daylight on probably the hottest and most beautiful day of the year. I was working as a picture framer at the time. There were four of us working there, not including the boss, me, another girl, and two guys. The couple who owned the place also owned a craft shop in town, which was in the middle of moving premises at the time. On the day it happened, our boss took the two guys to help move the shop, leaving me and the other girl, Jenny, to hold down the fort at the framing workshop. In the past, we had all had experiences in the workshop. Pokes, prods, I once had a breath on the back of my neck, but it never really bothered us. I guess the fact that it was happening in the day with other people around made it seem less scary. Anyway, Jenny and I were working for a couple hours when we heard someone whistling. Like a tuneful happy whistle. There was a small conservatory at the front of the building which we used as a showroom, which is where the whistling was coming from, so we assumed there must be a customer in there. Jenny went to deal with them and came straight back in. She said that no one was out there, but we could still hear the whistling. I went out to the front of the building, but there was no one outside, and even so, I couldn't hear the whistling out there. Going back in, I realized that when I was in the conservatory, the whistling sounded like it was coming from inside the workshop. Now, for some reason, I was feeling incredibly brave and logical that day, so I tracked the whistling down to the connecting wall between the workshop and conservatory, where there was a big piece of machinery used to shrink wrap pictures. By this time, I figured one of the guys were pranking us, so I crawled under it trying to find the source of the whistling, but found nothing. What's more, I could hear that the whistling was coming from above the shrink wrapper. I checked behind it. Nothing. By this point, I wasn't sure there was a logical explanation anymore, but damn it, I was going to check everything. At the very least, if I was going to have a strange story to tell, I wanted there to be no ambiguity. Jenny started freaking out a bit, and as I was trying to reassure her that there was probably an explanation... The whistling stopped, then the door to the conservatory slammed shut. We both freaked and legged it outside, but after ten or so minutes I talked her into going back, telling her it was probably a freak wind blowing through and that I wanted to check it out. Now deep down I know that this was bullshit. It was boiling hot and there wasn't so much as a breeze, but I wanted as much information as possible for my skeptical friends. We went back in and I set about testing the door. I was testing how hard I would have to push the door to make it slam. Pretty soon I realized this was impossible. It was an old warped door and you had to push it all the way to shut it and I had to push with all of my force to make it slam. I gave up, opened the door and turned to Jenny to break the news. The door slammed again, right next to me. There was no wind. At this point we were done. We ran out the back and stayed outside for a good two hours. The only reason we went back in is that we knew that Using the excuse, there was a ghost, for not doing any work, was not going to fly with the boss. For the rest of the day, we didn't leave each other's side. We even went to the toilet together. FYI, I used to be quite sensitive, but since being with my very skeptical, to the point of sticking his fingers in his ears and going la 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 la, boyfriend, I haven't felt or experienced anything in 15 years. Do you think that extreme non-believers can block other people's ability to pick up on things? So thank you again for the story, Sharn. Uh, again, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. What do you think about that last point, Ian? No. You don't think so? No. No, I don't.
1: I I think it can block their ability to experience things because they can just
0: turn it off.
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: See, I, I think it can. I, I think there is sort of an effect. It's a little bit, you know, how we've you've talked about if there are too many people, it kind of tamps down the vibe mm-hmm. so it mm-hmm. can be harder to detect things well know that it tamps down the vibe what it does is it pollutes the sound almost it's like trying to hear
1: a single guitar playing in the middle of an orchestra right right like that
0: energy is just lost in all the other energy right and so what i was thinking is i wonder if some people have almost like an anti field you oh, know like they can like project maybe not project but they're almost like a nullifier whatever their energy is, it's almost functions as like a blocker. Interesting. Um, because I was thinking about it. I, I used to have a friend who I would go on long drives with. at Right. Night. It was almost like this person is so insensitive to these things that I just felt completely cut off from it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The only time it, it, I ever was near him and something strange happened was we were in the presence of a third friend who had even more sensitivity than I do. Right. And... We were sitting in my house. It was, it was late. It was, I don't know, 1230 or something. And we heard the bedroom door open down the hall. We heard feet coming down the hall. Mm-hmm. And so it, I, we assumed, oh, it's Nikki getting up to use the bathroom. But then instead of hearing the bathroom door close, the front door shook in its oh wow frame like it, like it had just closed. Wow. Well, and, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and in order to get past, to get to the front door, whoever it is would have had to have gone past us. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to go check and Nikki was fast asleep. Weird. But we all heard it, but it was almost like the the collective, um, uh, you know, the collective energy of the two people who do feel these things was enough to kind of counterbalance the sort of the, the, the kind of dead zone there. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, that's weird. Hey, maybe I've never experienced that, but you never know. Our next story comes from Tiffany. When I was seven, my father got married and we moved to Hawaii. After the move, I got a bunk bed, which was the first time I'd seen one in person, and like every kid, I had to sleep on top. The ladder on the bunk bed had three rungs and only attached to the top half of the bed. I remember it was tall enough that my six foot two inch tall father couldn't see over the railing without tiptoeing. Anyhow, I remember always falling asleep on my left side with my back to the wall. One night, I remember hearing my parents in somewhat of a debate and felt a bit anxious, but stopped trying to listen to their chatter because I was falling further into sleep. Then I remember waking up with a jolt, startled and still semi situationally aware. Then I felt the hand touch my exposed right arm. Normally, I wouldn't have thought anything of it, but my back was to the wall, and that's where this mysterious hand came from. I could only feel it. It was warm and tender, almost loving, but had an electrical feel to it which sent chills through my body. It only happened that one time, and nothing else happened at that home. About three years after the event, we moved to Kentucky and I would start remembering something that felt like a memory, but came like a dream or hallucination. My mother passed when I was an infant, so I don't really have many memories of her. I can remember how she smelled, smiled, and laughed, and I've always wanted to know about her because I didn't get to know her as I grew up. Possibly my wish came true? I'm not sure. At first I began to recall a hospital room, the smell of alcohol and bleach, faintly the smell of flowers, The song of machinery in the distance. Doctors and nurses chatting in the hall. Then came the bright white and turquoise speckled tiles. The empty hanger for IV bags and an open curtain revealing a floor-to-ceiling window. Then I started to feel sadness and longing as I looked and saw my mother's long hair, pale skin, closed eyes, and her hands gently folded on her chest. I reached for her and called out to her. I always wake up at that point. It still has me questioning my sanity, but I feel like it's a memory that had been buried away or possibly it's what I want the event to be remembered
0: as I'm not entirely sure. So thank you for that story, Tiffany. The, um, the thing about the arms reminded me, and we refer back to this, or pardon me, we have referred back to this a few times, but our listener Rin sent in that story where she woke up and there were still arms coming out of the wall. Mm. I remember that. That was a long time ago. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was early on. Yeah. And that is just, yeah. I mean, this is, this does not sound particularly frightening. This actually sounds quite nice, but
1: yeah.
0: Well, comparatively maybe. <laughs> yeah. One more thing I just wanted to say is the, uh, I, I never understood the childhood fascination with bunk beds. Oh, as really? Some, I love bunk beds. Oh no. I, as someone who stayed in many, many hostels over the years. Oh, Okay. And there is nothing worse than being a three hundred pound man having to sleep on the top goddamn bunk. You're just waiting to plunge through and, and <laughs> end the life of whoever happens to be beneath you. And there was one hostel in London. I had to get into the middle bunk, which is something How kind is that of, even a thing? The bunks were three high. Oh gross. A thousand times gross. It, I it, can't even imagine. That was some some gymnastics level monkey bullshit. And yeah, oh God, I hated that place. I would think one of those Japanese businessmen drawer hotels would be better than that. It absolutely would. <laughs> Although that said, they've opened some of those over here now. Really, the capsule hotels? Yeah, not as high tech, but but it's kind of the same idea. They're called like like smiling panda hotel or something like that. <laughs> but they've got one in Richmond, and I considered it because hotels in Vancouver are ludicrous. Yeah. Uh, before this is obviously, of course, before the world went on pause. Yes. PandaPod, it's called PandaPod. There we go, PandaPod. PandaPod, and, and you're literally just it, like you're in a cubbyhole with a um, a, a sheet like a curtain. Okay, well, that's not secure at all. Well, no. I mean, no, you're definitely not. It, you're basically at that point. You're like a serial killer's pantry. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. It, it just. <laughs> This story comes from Lily, and Lily sent us this back in February, so we may have covered it on the show, I don't think we have, but just in case. I live in a smallish city in northern Ontario, Canada. My boyfriend recently bought a house in an older neighborhood. We moved in at the end of August and have been living there ever since. I noticed that since we've moved in, I've been depressed and just felt kind of joyless. I just chalked it up to my mental health battles that I've had, but I could never shake the feeling that I'm being watched. I'm always checking behind my shoulder, and whenever I walk into a room, I swear I can see someone, or a shadow of someone, for a second, and then once I blink and my eyes adjust, it's gone. The worst is at the top of the stairs, which are directly across from the dining room, and to walk into the living room or bathroom, you have to walk by the bottom of the stairs. I swear that every time I walk by, there's a shadow of a person standing at the top of the stairs. I always thought it was my imagination playing tricks on me, but after listening to Shadow People stories, I wonder if that's what I'm experiencing. Regardless, when I'm home alone, I never feel at ease unless every light is on. And then Lily sent a follow-up email as well, and she says, Thank you for getting back to me. I wanted to share another little story I heard yesterday while I was at the hairdressers. I was telling her about my spooky house and so on, and she told me something that was very eerie. She is a single mother and has a son who is four and speaks mostly French. She said that one night as she was going to put him to bed, he said, Mama, I don't like my room and she asked why, and he said, the monsieur is always staring at me. This freaked her out as she had also gotten weird vibes from the house, and not wanting to scare him, she just said that it's okay, and he didn't have to worry. She said a couple of weeks later, as she was getting him ready for bed again, he said, Mama, I don't want to sleep in here. The monsieur keeps pushing me. Again, not wanting to scare him, she said, Oh, it's just the wind, and that was that. I thought that part was pretty funny. Poor kid and thank you for sharing those lily i, I want to know how long that excuse is going to last <laughs> just the wind yeah that's pretty great <laughs> i'm a beast looming over my beds uh, screaming my name at top volume in hell's own baritone that's the wind sweetie that's just the wind don't worry but it's ripping the clothes off the bed yeah you're good it's just the wind it's a, it's a nor'easter out there tonight. exactly yeah the wrong one I've been in places where I have that feeling, you know, you, you, you just think that if you wait long enough, mm-hmm. you'll see someone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're sure they're just out of, out, out of, your view. I have that all the time when I'm in the lair by myself.
1: Oh, really? Oh, constantly. But I've made it very clear over the six or seven years I've been doing Ghost Walks. Right. I don't want to see you. Don't want to know you're there. Don't want to hear you. Ah, uh, so, so far, so good. <laughs> Fingers crossed.
0: Oh yeah. For the listeners who don't know, the lair is sort of like the, uh, the headquarters where yeah. of the post walks Ian does. Yeah. And that's where, do the, do the walks still end there with everything going the on? The 930 ones do. Yeah. Oh, they do. Okay. All the
1: chairs are spaced out. There used to be 30 or 40 chairs in there. Now there's 10. Right. And they're all spaced out. So.
0: Oh, okay. yeah, Interesting. I, I remember really experiencing that in a hostel in, in Ireland, in Donegal. Oh, I was the only person in the hostel that night. So I took advantage of all this space and I was wandering around and singing out loud and, and all this <laughs> shit. And then I just gradually became less and less comfortable making all that noise. Oh, it felt like I wasn't the only person there. Interesting. Yeah. And I had zero sensitivity back then, which is probably, or I should say that I was aware of, which is probably a good thing because given all the shit that's happened when we've talked about Ireland in a prolonged fashion on the show. Right. Right. If I went over there now, I just feel like the ground would open up and swallow me and be done with it. You'd probably be a bit of a mess, yeah. Yeah, I'm a mess anyways, but
1: worse. (laughs) This next story is from Emma. I'm a fairly new listener based in the UK. Thanks for taking the time to collate all these spooky stories and for presenting them so well on your show. Well, you're welcome, Emma. Thank you. To set some context. I am a major skeptic. I'm a staunch atheist. As much as I would like to, the rationalist in me can't believe that undead spirits walk the earth. That said, a lot of weird and unexplained things have happened to me over the years. Things that no matter how hard I try, I cannot give any sort of scientific or logic explanation for. Such things that for all intents and purposes can only be described as supernatural. This happened when I was in my mid-20s. I was at that stage in my career where I was trying to pave my way and make a name for myself by working ridiculous hours and delivering on ambitious projects. I was rushing to get one project finished, which was due the next morning, so I stayed late at work to get it done. When I say I stayed late, I mean really late. I think the following thing happened to me just after 11 p.m. I work on a university campus in a shared office directly above a busy student bar. Because of this, even though I was all alone in my large office, I didn't feel isolated. It was a hot summer night, and I had my office windows open, and could hear the hum of music and drunken conversations in the beer garden below. I'd shut my office door, though, because sometimes inebriated students would wander their way upstairs, and if I saw them, it was my responsibility to escort them back downstairs or ring security. As I was typing away, I heard a light tap on the shut door. I turned to look at it. And saw that someone must have been leaning down on the door handle as it moved slowly down and then up again. I watched it for a second as it slowly went back up into its upright position. I waited, hoping that the lost student would find their way back downstairs. The door handle didn't move again, so I decided to get up and lock it because had they opened the door, it definitely would have been my problem. There was no window in the door, so it could have been a breeze anyway. I told myself five minutes later. The door handle moved again, going up and down. I could see the door moving in its frame as though someone was trying to get in. It must have been security, I thought. I bet they'd spotted someone walking around upstairs and were checking that all the offices were locked. As much as I enjoyed talking to the security staff, I just didn't have the time, so I pretended not to be there and carried on working. Whoever was outside was not satisfied. Maybe they'd seen me from the upstairs window because. They really wanted to get in. The door handle was moving up and down aggressively, and the door was moving so much in the frame that it was banging. Whoever was on the other side was trying to get it to force open. I shouted out to them that I was staff inside working late, but the door continued to move. I thought that maybe there was an emergency. So I got up, unlocked the door, and swung it open. There was no one there. Not only was nobody standing at the door, I could see that the corridor outside was in complete darkness. The lights in our building are on a motion sensor. They turn off after 15 minutes of no movement. How could someone have walked over to my office door, stood there pushing against it, and not trigger the sensor? As soon as I stepped outside into the corridor to look, all the lights came on. I walked back into the office, locked the door, starting to feel really freaked out. Every part of me wanted to grab my stuff and leave for the night, but I had to get my report done and I was so close to finishing. I decided to reassure myself that there were fellow humans in the building by leaning out of the window to see the merriment in the beer garden. Everything down there looked normal. There were maybe 30 students just meters away from me, laughing, drinking, and smoking in the warm night. I put some loud, upbeat pop on my Spotify and sat back down to get the damn report finished. I'd been typing away for less than five minutes when there was a break in the song and I heard a noise this time from inside the office. At the other end of the office is a large laser printer that all of our computers in the office are connected to. I hadn't sent anything to print, and there's clearly no one in the office, yet I heard that printer turn itself on and begin to make the whirring noises it always does before printing a document. The small screen lit up and flashed printing. I checked my computer. i definitely not sent anything to print. The printer then started to spew out blank sheets of paper, maybe about 20 pages. By that stage, i had had enough. Without proofreading my report, I sent it in, picked up my stuff, and left. There was no way I was staying any longer in that office. I later learned that about 40 years before, the top floor of the building had housed a living janitor and his family, and that my office had once been the master bedroom. I also remember a few months after the late-night office incident coming into the office really early in the morning, maybe about 7 a.m. as we had a big event to prepare for. We had a team of cleaners who worked through the early morning hours, and as I swung open my door, I heard a scream from inside. It turns out I'd scared one of the cleaners who'd been emptying the paper bin. We both laughed, and I apologized for making her jump, as there was never usually anyone in at that time. Her response sent a chill through my spine. You scared me half to death, love. I thought you were her. I didn't probe to find out who her was. Many of my colleagues have similar stories. Lights going out on them when they were at the far end of an empty bar. Equipment going missing or being moved. And all of these goings on seem to happen late at night.
0: You know, I think one of the favorite things that has come out of us doing the show is that we do have listeners who are skeptical or atheists. Totally, totally. Who yeah. say, you know, I, I don't believe in any sort of established structure, you know, post post death, but this happened and I don't have a framework for it. And, and I really respect the ability to just reach out and say, OK, I don't know what the fuck this is, but uh, I'm willing to at least throw it out there and see. Well, what And, and I thinks. know it
1: happened, right? Like that's exactly. the other part of it. And I agree with you. And I don't um, I actually really appreciate those people because I think they're far more open minded than the ones who claim nothing exists.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's it. I, I've had sort of occasion to cross with the skeptical, the hard skeptical community a little bit, and it's yeah, it's basically just deny. Yeah, you know, yeah. it it, yeah. it can't have happened, so it didn't happen, right? Which yeah. is you know it's completely pointless. It, it doesn't help anyone. Mm-mm. I gotta say though, the motion sensor lights are like Satan's little gift to the. Oh world. my God, I know. There's a new building downtown I have to deliver to every now and again, and they have that thing. And I think it's probably like every, yeah, 10, 15 minutes. Once they're off, they're off. Right. And the very first time I didn't know that. <laughs> so I stepped, I like I, the elevator door opened and there was this blackness oh, and I thought, no. okay, so I've died. Right. And I step off the elevator and then the lights, you know, kind of blink and flicker on. And then I couldn't figure out where to go because right. the door to my left was glass, but beyond it was just blackness. And I thought, well, that can't be anywhere. And then I, I got a little bit closer, opened the door, stepped out, and sure enough, a couple after a few seconds, blink, blink, and the lights come on. Oh, Marty. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever energy savings they're having, they're going to lose when my, my defibrillator <laughs> is required to just keep waking my damn heart back up. <laughs> Holy shit. That's awesome. This story comes from C. C says, I'm a police officer in the Washington, D.C. area. One night we were called for a burglary in progress. My partner and I arrived to find a woman in her 50s outside on her lawn shaking. She said the alarm had gone off in the house and she heard loud footsteps upstairs. The woman said she lived alone with no pets. As we waited for our K9 unit to arrive we did a perimeter check and found no signs of break in or anything suspicious. K9 arrived and we began our search thinking she was just paranoid but wanted to calm her nerves. We loudly announced at the doorway. And before we even crossed the threshold, the dog went nuts. I've searched many homes and businesses with our canine units and I'd never seen this type of response. I still haven't to this day. He gave every indication we needed to begin taking this more seriously. The dog immediately shot up the stairs and started going frantically from room to room. He was sure someone was in there. He tore down the shower curtain, went straight through under the beds, and finally hyper-focused on the master bedroom. The smell of a freshly lit cigarette filled the air suddenly. There was a loud thump in the closet and then what sounded like someone clearing their throat. The sound made us all whip around towards it at the same time. We set up on the door with guns drawn and the dog ready to act. We opened the closet and found absolutely nothing. The dog continued to search, less frantic but more anxious. He was convinced every door would produce our bad guy and began to seem confused when we couldn't find anyone. We concluded our search without finding anyone and went outside to the homeowner completely bewildered. Her daughter had arrived and asked to speak with me privately, out of earshot of her mother. The daughter told me her father, a heavy smoker, had recently passed away unexpectedly in the master bedroom. The daughter said when she visited she frequently heard footsteps upstairs, swore she could hear the sound of him coughing, and often smelled freshly burned cigarettes. I'm guessing by my instant paleness and the look on my face, she realized we'd encountered him. She laughed hysterically and apologized slash told me he was a great husband and father. He just wasn't ready to leave his home. I respectfully told her I was getting the fuck away from them and the house and would not be responding again anytime soon. We all drove off and didn't talk about it for weeks, but when we did, we all recalled the same sounds, smells, and uneasiness. To this day, with every house we search, I'm more afraid of what I can't see than any criminal. Don't even get me started on basements. I'm with you, see. To hell with basements. Oh,
1: definitely. No, not doing that at all. Our last story tonight comes from Lexi. I'd like to start off by telling you guys how much I love your podcast. I've got a fun little story for you that I think you'll enjoy as it kind of pertains to you guys. Also, I'm only halfway through your podcast, so no rush on getting my story up here if you guys end up liking it. My mom grew up in haunted houses and was always very sensitive to spirits. I'd like to think she passed that on to me as well. I've had many different experiences from spirits to shadow people standing at the foot of my bed, but those are for a different time. I bought a house in Farmer City, Illinois about two years ago. The house was built in 1984 and was in the same family for 94 or so years. Of course, the only important question I had for the realtor was if anyone had passed in the home. She said yes and asked if that was going to be a problem. I told her no, I'd just like to have the information before I moved on with the sale. Now, the lady whose family owned the house adamantly did not want to sell the house, as it was special to her, and the kids could not put it up for sale until she eventually passed from the nursing home. It was a huge place, and hadn't been updated since the 70s, so it was going to be a complete remodel right from the studs. My boyfriend and I moved into the house in May 2018 and started the grueling process. I had some weird feelings occasionally in the house, usually that someone was watching me, and I never felt completely alone. I always had some sort of light on whenever going through the house in the dark as it spooked me. A couple of months in, stuff started happening. We had completely gutted the house at this point and were staying upstairs in one of the bedrooms. Now it was all studs, so we only had plastic sheeting up for walls to keep dust from getting in. I remember it was a particularly hot July day and we had the AC on blast while we worked in the downstairs. Finally, we called it a day and went upstairs with some beer and food to chill out. I remember walking up the stairs, and on the last step, I fell, although it felt like I'd actually gotten pushed. I brushed it off, thinking maybe I was being clumsy and tired from a long day's work. We walked into the room, and again, I was a little worried to see that one of the windows in our room was half open. We had the AC on, so there was no logical reason for that window to be open at all. I got more weird feelings, but brushed it off, watched a movie, and fell asleep. That night, I had a terrible dream. I woke up in my dream and had some extreme feelings of unease. It was dark and there was plastic everywhere, so I was confused about my surroundings. All I knew for sure was that it was the same room I'd gone to sleep in. I grabbed my phone, turned the flashlight on, and started looking around as I was extremely scared but not sure what I was looking for. I walked into the closet and looked up, and out of nowhere this dark figure pinned me down. Couldn't move, couldn't breathe, just feeling a deep pressure on my chest. I couldn't scream. and was freaking out. I went to open my mouth, and in a voice that wasn't my own, screamed, Get out! Finally, I was able to touch my boyfriend and wake up from the dream, but I couldn't go to sleep for the rest of the night. The next morning, I went for a car ride and called my mom to tell her what had happened. Police made it a rule to not talk about anything in the house so as not to give anything power. After telling her what had happened, she told me she was sending me some sage and a prayer right away to cleanse the house. A few days later she called to let me know she'd spoken to her shaman friend who specifically asked her how I was doing. This was before my mom told her about anything that was happening in the house. The shaman told my mom that I needed to cleanse the house and ask the spirit to leave. She kept referring to it as a woman saying she didn't wish to do me any harm that she just hadn't moved on. I received the sage, did the cleansing and nothing happened for about two years. My ex and I broke up, and I took on the task of finishing the house myself, as it was all in my name. i just recently started teaching myself how to drywall mud, which is where you guys come in, as I was tired of listening to country music and needed something else. I think it was episode 6 when you guys were talking about the shadow people. There was a story that particularly freaked me out, as I've had experiences before. I got super goosebumps and felt a real cold chill. I turned around to see where that came from and found a window half open again. Now, this was a different room, but still. I also got an overwhelming dizzy feeling like I was going to pass out. It was about 8 at night at the time, and I'd finished all my work. I texted a friend, telling him I freaked myself out listening to ghost stories and didn't want to stay in my house for the night. I just had a feeling I was going to wake up to something I definitely did not want to see. He said I could come over, so I took a shower and started to take my dogs out. I took my puppy out first, but out of nowhere, the door opened again, and my older dog, Max, ran out. Now, the door had been closed, and he doesn't know how to open doors. Max will run for two hours at a time to get his energy out. A feeling came over me, a certainty that something did not want me to leave. At 10.30, I heard Max barking in the neighbor's yard, and I found him killing a skunk. At this point, I am done with everything. I get the dogs inside and kenneled them as I was not going to give Max a bath right then. I just had to get out of the house no matter what. went to my friend's house and climbed into bed with him. Oh, that kind of friend. (laughs) That night, I had so many nightmares, but it was still better than being in the house. The next morning, I went back to the house and saged it right away, saying that this was my house and whoever was here was not allowed and not welcome. In each room, I repeated this and asked the spirit to leave. I finished with the top room pushing the smoke out a west-facing window. So far, I hadn't had anything happen. But now I only listen to the podcast during the day and definitely not at night.
0: Thanks for listening. Well, thank you for sharing that because that is a great story. It is a great story, Lexi. Holy cow. There is a lot going on too. Yeah. It, the it was something that, that jumped out at me first was the the idea of the house kind of trying to keep her around. hmm It mm-hmm. really, really that that for some reason that always strikes a chord with me. And and I think it's because you and I have spent so much time in places that are, in a way, kind of spiritually a little sick. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they do have this way of sort of keeping you close almost. Yeah. Yeah. There was a movie that everyone kind of shit on. It uh, came out earlier this year. It was the remake of The Grudge. Okay. And it's it's a horror movie about uh, a grudge. It's it's about like a generational haunting in a single home and how it the home itself is sick. Right. And it just infects the lives of everyone who happens to enter there. Hmm. And, and I may even have mentioned this on the show before, but it reminded me of our old office yes you know because again a lot of people didn't like the, the film I, I loved it and one of the reasons was i felt it really well represented the idea of what it's like to be in a place that feels comfortable it, it presents as comfortable but the longer you're there the worse you feel mm-hmm. and you don't really realize it's happening
1: it almost just sucks the life out of you
0: yeah yeah you know I, I would I would be in that office and I would sit there because I worked there you know for my day job as well right. and I would sit there and I would I would just feel worse and worse, and I, it, it didn't even occur to me that I hadn't eaten food for the day. hmm. I would suddenly remember, oh, I feel miserable, maybe maybe I need to go eat something." And there's literally a burrito place across the street. yeah. It didn't occur to me to leave. Yeah. It was like, no, it's too, it's, it's too far, there's no point. I'll just stay. Wild, eh? Yeah, and, and these places just, again, it's its almost like there's a consciousness just trying to will you to stay in one place and to keep feeding whatever is there. Well, and, and it would just sort of draw off of you, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that really interested me, too, was the, the fact that the thing in the closet came to her in a dream, but it really doesn't sound like a dream. hmm You know, it sounds like one of those, again, you assume it's a dream because of what's happening. But right. maybe it's not. Right. You know, there was a a gal I spoke to in Revelstoke, and she had she was attacked by something. Was she she had no idea what shadow people were. She said it looked like a Dementor from Harry Potter. Oh <laughs> wow. But that's what it is. And it, right. it did the same thing. It literally swarmed her to the ground. And she woke up and she thought, well, that must have been a dream because I'm back in bed. Hmm. But it came after she had gone through some kind of spiritual process. And she had been left too open. Wow. Not good. Yeah. I, I'm glad things have slowed down, Lexi. I'm glad things have, have uh, eased off and that you are able to live in your fancy house that you have <laughs> renovated yourself, which I respect the hell out of, by the uh, way. I, so do I, because it's more than I can do. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm useless <laughs> with my hands. Well, in a home improvement context.
1: Oh, gross.
0: <laughs> but uh, no, hats off to you, my friend, because that, that is that is not easy stuff. No, that's amazing. I love that. I'm just going to look it up on YouTube. Fuck yeah. <laughs> admire the shit out of that. <laughs> so that's all the listener stories we have for you this time around. If you've got a story you want to share with us, we'd love to hear it. Send it to ghoststoryguys at com, and we will read everything that we get sent. We may not reply to everyone individually, but we will absolutely read your story and do our best to get it on the air. We're trying to get as many of these listener stories out there and we still have probably five more episodes worth of listener stories to go but that doesn't mean we don't want more because we just love reading them we would love hearing your experiences and maybe making connections and allowing us to understand a little bit more about this this big strange world around us so we're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back with our patron shout outs welcome back thanks as always to the rest of the team Luke Greensmith, Anthony Germain and Sarah Kent for their work on this and every episode can't tell you how much we appreciate you guys mm-hmm. and if you want to get to know them you can become a patron and they are often part of the monthly live show speaking of which it's time for our patron shout outs of course we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our latest patrons. They are Caleb Perez, Krista McNamara, Deborah Rockle, Jennifer M. Granger, Jennifer DeLeon, Julie McLaughlin, Sarah Dixon Spivy. Mandalay Volschlager, Kawaga Mom, and Liz Morse. Thank you so much, guys. I cannot tell you how much we appreciate your support. It just means the world to us. Thank you so, so much. And if you want to become a patron and get access to all the cool extra shit that they get, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys. That's patreon.com slash ghost story guys. We have tiers at one, five, ten, twenty, and $50. And each one comes with their own set of goodies and special access things. You get access to our monthly cabin fever episodes, which are, uh, an hour of me and Ian shooting shit, hanging out. And just doing a lot of the social stuff that doesn't fit into the main show anymore. You get early access to Luke's Luke Lore podcast, which is a monthly deep dive into the folklore topic of his choosing. You also get exclusive stickers, exclusive magnets, and all kinds of other stuff, including Ian's smash hit Christian country album, Aware of Wonder. <laughs> you get, yes, that 1995 gem. You get that in high definition digital audio, which... Even Spotify doesn't have. The peasants only have the lo-fi version <laughs> that I ripped from the cassette tape because he foolishly thought he could stop me. I did. Yes, he's learned. He's learned. I don't trust him with anything now. That's wise. That's why. That's, that's probably the best way to do it. <laughs> Again, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost3guys if you want to know more. Next up is ordinarily where we would talk listener mail, but since that is going to be in the mini show coming next week. Yes. We're not going to do that. Woohoo! Yes, so instead, I want to thank our musical guest, Michael LaBella, for the use of his song, Carl Jung. You can find him by searching for Michael LaBella everywhere you stream your music, and of course, by following the links, which I will put in the show notes for this episode. If you want to get in touch, send us an email to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com, and we will absolutely read it. That is for your stories, your comments, your questions, your gentle criticisms. You can also call us on the ghost line at 1-888-588-6920. That's the number to call. That's uh, toll free within North America. And you can leave a story, comment, question, whatever you like as a voicemail or a series of voicemails. If you have a story and we will also be sharing those both messages and stories on the ghost line or pardon me on the mini show every two weeks. So we're going to have one week will be our ghost for shout outs. The next will be, uh, the, all the ghost line calls. And so we're looking forward to diving into those and finally sharing some of the great stuff that we have uh, we have saved up from some of our listeners who've called in already. If you don't feel like talking, you can always text the ghost line at 925-553-4789. You can send whatever you like there, pictures, stories, comments, questions, again, gentle criticisms, <laughs> whatever you like, send it there and we will receive it. And again, we will t- talk about those on the mini show, which I'm excited for i also nervous about because it just... Well, it's, it's new and you don't like anything new. It's true. I fear the future and I fear changing it. <laughs> it's all right. It's coming for us all. It's so true. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash ghost story guys. We're on Instagram at instagram.com slash the ghost story guys. And we're on Twitter at twitter.com slash ghost story guys. If you want to find us personally, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at largely the truth. You can find me at Ghost Story Guy on Instagram
1: or just my name on Facebook.
0: If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, head on over to our website at ghoststoryguys.com. Follow the links to our Tea Public Store. There you can find t-shirts, mugs, prints, anything your heart desires. However, if your heart desires exclusive magnets, signed copies of our books, or art cards of my night photography, head to our big cartel store at ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps bump the numbers, get a few more eyes on the show. Our theme song, Radio, Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter of Pizzanta Music. You can find him online at soundcloud.com slash Music or everywhere you stream music. Our stories theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. Find more from them by going to hexagram.bandcamp.com. That's hexagram with two X's, not three. Or by searching for Hexagram, again, wherever you stream your music. All other music and sound effects on this show are provided courtesy of Epidemic Sound. If you're looking for pod safe music or sound effects for your next project, head on over to epidemicsound.com and check them out. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it. Yeah. We'll be back in two weeks with another show and back next week with the all new mini show. Yeah. And until then into the darkness we go. regret everything nah. but, well-rounded uh, yeah, exa- yeah well-rounded. exactly yeah firm A- anyway no please stop i'll <laughs> stop uh, you got me going I, now, now, now yeah. yeah yeah that's right <laughs> through nope i won't say thrusting i said it okay i'm sorry <laughs> muting myself no
1: sweetest words i've ever heard
0: don't get used to it <laughs> Yeah, this old slaughterhouse is perfect. <laughs> Some people say there's a chainsaw man who lives in the basement. But hey, that's why we got 100 grand off. That, it's a deal. Yeah. The nice. chainsaw man is super sweet if you can understand what he's saying underneath that <laughs> mask of human skin. <laughs> the spirits are calling. It's Jesus.